Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Father, we thank you for your presence filling this auditorium tonight. May not one person leave you the same way they came. Thank you for the hungry people that have come tonight. That a fire would be ignited in every heart. That people would leave this place. Between now and Saturday night, they shall be transformed, changed, renewed, revived, empowered, graced, and equipped. And they shall carry this flame everywhere into the highways and the byways. And then, Lord, even this city shall be shaken by your mighty hand. That the war has been over this city for many years, but there's a group of people rising up with the fire and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They will not back down. They will not play church and they'll not play religion. But they book of Acts people, they're Holy Ghost people. And they will follow heaven's plan and heaven's purpose. So tonight, do what you do. Save, heal, restore, renew, revive, empower, grace, and equip your people. And once again, as we do every night, we tell you, Lord, we covenant with you in advance to give you all the glory, all the praise, and the honor, for you alone are worthy. For, Lord, as I've said for many years, I'm nothing and you everything. And we thank you for your presence here tonight in the wonderful, blessed, precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hello, Las Vegas, Nevada. Just turn and greet two or three people and then you may be seated. My wife and I were lost in the city preaching. I've been here several times for other reasons, some conventions and things that we were part of. But this is my first time back on the strip preaching since 1988. And uh, we came into town and we, we just were newly in America and we didn't really know where we were going. And, we were invited to Las Vegas, and so we came in from Los Angeles, and we preached a couple of meetings and then left and drove to Center, Colorado, if you don't know where that is. That's a long way from here, but I didn't know. I just said, oh, yeah, I'll preach Vegas. I'll preach in Center, Colorado. And I still didn't even understand. We were going through the pass, and um, I kept, I'd said to my wife, boy, these, these people are driving very slowly through this pass. We were passing trucks and cars and everything, and we got in and the pastor said to me, and we got to Pueblo, sorry, Pueblo, Colorado. The pastor said to me, he said, man, what center, what center? Pastor said, man, we really prayed for you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, there was a massive snowstorm. I said, yeah, I was flying through there. He said there were 300, 3,000 foot cliffs and, and, and you could have gone off. I didn't know anything. I'm, I'm from Africa just driving through, passing, flying by all these trucks and everything. And then I realized, you better, you better study up 
inspired a little bit of what terrain. All we had was Rand McNally maps, you know, and I mean, you know, everybody has GPS now. We just, we had to study a map and find out where we were going. So we're so glad to be here. Come here, baby, come stand here. And then uh, to be with Jonathan in, in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Come stand here with me. Come on. So. So. Yeah. So. Let me just say how great it is to be here. <laughs> anyway, he has one. He has a mic. Um, it's it's not a cannoli and it's not a gun. All right. That's right. Yeah. You know, um, this is going to be, I believe, a high water mark for many people that have come hungry for God. Yeah. Amen. So. Uh, when uh, Pastor Jonathan called me, he said, listen, I'm going into Vegas for a night. He said, you want to come and be with me for the night? I said, listen, it's a long way from Florida to Vegas for one night. I said, let's just do a couple of days. So, so then, of course, one thing led to another, and we are. And so it's going to be great to greet the people here tonight. Great to be with you in Las Vegas. And I Nobody promotes this place more than me. I want to tell you, you know, my wife and I have been coming here since 2008, and then a lot in the last four years. A lot of you know my dad's oldest brother, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., and he prophesied a few years back during the lockdowns that the Lord spoke to him, in the city that people think I'm least likely to move is where I'll move first. And when I heard that, I don't know if there's a more misperceived city than Las Vegas. It's not, there, there are strippers who live here, but there's also other people who live here. And it's not, I know it gets a reputation for Sin City, but the more you come here, there's great people in this city. And you don't see it, you don't see it on anybody's itinerary to come and preach. And the more I came here and met people, I thought, why not? be some of the first to come on this strip. You know, Catherine Kuhlman, that's from my city, Pittsburgh, she was here at the Sands with uh, Frank Sinatra invited her in, and then Billy Graham was at the convention center in the late 70s. But you don't see much done. You see psychics, and you see magicians. So it lets you know that people are hungry for the supernatural. Think of this. People will pay $150 a person to watch a magic show that they know is fake, just out of their desire to see the supernatural. I feel God has something very special for this city, and it's not down the road. We're going to be a part of something big this week together, and I'm looking forward to being with you. God bless every one of you in Jesus' name. Awesome. I love you. So uh, that's why we're here, and tomorrow night we're going to mobilize everybody for the harvest of souls. You you are going to be part of the 300 city tour. So with tonight is introduction meeting. Tomorrow morning is going to be phenomenal. Then tomorrow night will be city number 249. So Vegas comes in at 249. How many knew that we were on a 300 city tour of the world to mobilize? And um, basically, I know this sounds like low expectations, but I'm only believing for 120 people to catch fire. Amen. Now, somebody said, come on, Pastor, I mean, there's more than 120 people here. I understand that. 
But on the day of Pentecost, there was only 120 people there. So I picked that number because it's doable. It's something that can be done. Somebody said, well, that's me. I don't know. I don't know who's going to catch fire. If you're hungry, God will come touch you. He will. God has a way of looking over everybody and come straight to the hungry person and touch them. That's how he found me in Africa all those years ago. So if God can find me in Africa, then he can find me in the middle of a desert. Amen. In the middle of Las Vegas, Nevada. So uh, I believe this is going to be, as I said, a, a key meeting here this, this weekend. Praise God. Then also, just to let you know, we, uh, the Lord has done a lot of things for us by surprise. There's things that we're doing now that I thought maybe were behind me, but, uh, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I, uh, when, when everything locked up, how many remember how nonsense that was? And uh, you, mean, you couldn't go outside, basically, you're supposed to stay in your house because the virus would leave you alone in your house, as you know. <laughs> you had to be quarantined. Uh, you were not allowed to greet people. You, you had to cover your face with a diaper. <laughs> and then uh, there was just so much insanity that I, I don't think I've seen so much insanity as what was perpetrated upon the planet. And as you know, I got arrested. I know I'm not happy about it, but it's not one of the things that you have on your list to do before you leave the earth. <laughs> Let me get arrested. I won't go to prison. And then I can come out and then a certain evangelist can capitalize on that by having t-shirts with my face on it and fund his ministry. But I won't, I won't even bring that up other than just to say, you know, it's hurtful. No. <laughs> I can't wait for the day when you get arrested. You can't believe what I'm going to do with your mugshot. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a great thought. I can't wait to see you. Remember this, the wheels of God grind slowly. <laughs> so the crazy thing was I knew about the lockdowns in 2005. I wish I didn't, but I did because, how many know in August of 2005, there was a thing called Katrina. And it was devastating, of course. September of 2005, I received a visit from people, members of the Department of Defense who showed up at the church. They said, Pastor, you have a large church and you need to know what's coming down. I said, well, what's coming down? They, I, yeah, I, I was like shocked. And they handed me five of these and I put them in my warehouse and I actually forgot about it. But we had a minister's conference in the month of October. And now can you imagine me trying to tell the people what I knew was coming? And I'm thinking... People are going to think I'm a lunatic. I've lost my mind. Because this package, this is what one of them are. One of them is R.M. 
Department of Defense Beneficiaries Pandemic Flu Preparedness Kit. And inside it is two N95 respirators, four surgical masks, and hand sanitizer, four-ounce bottle. In the back of it, it goes on a big thing about the pandemic, but, it's, but it says in the middle of it, there is no influenza pandemic yet. Local health and government authorities will tell you when there is one. So, <laughs> the disease was so devastating that you had to be told when you had it. <laughs> now, here's what's crazy. When you open up the package, inside of it, of course, we have a beautiful bottle of Purell. I'm sure if they could have fitted a toilet paper, a toilet roll <laughs> in there, they would have. And then here is the whole sheet telling you avoid people with the flu, wash your hands frequently, get enough water, gas, food for, uh, for two weeks, schools were closed one to three months, six foot separation, everything was laid out, masks, and make a list, you know, of, of the people that you need to call an emergency. Here's the N95 respirators. And then these are the surgical masks. And the crazy thing about it is, here it is. This is from the Vancouver, Washington office. And it's all printed there. Made in China. <laughs> For the Department of Defense. So when everybody says this thing was a last minute, it was not. The whole thing was planned. Everything was laid out. And so I knew about it. And I shared publicly about it, which it's very difficult when you get up. You want to tell the congregation, what do you tell them? Uh, they're going to lock down the whole of America. Because I said to them, who's doing this? They said, George Bush is going to quarantine whole cities in America. I said, for what? They said, the bird flu. So if we can play the two clips from nine, uh, 20, sorry, 2005, October, you'll see. Uh, I'm not making this up. That's why I was never going to shut down. We were never going to lock down. I didn't care. It didn't matter because it was in total violation to the United States Constitution. Because... The Constitution was written at the time of the Spanish flu where people were dropping dead and nothing was mentioned in there. At the time of a pandemic, everything must be suspended. Church and people of God are the most essential service for a nation. Are you with me? So for them to want to just shut us down, they had no legal right to. These, these orders were coming from the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and were coming out of Europe. They have no legal authority over America at all. And if I had a shutdown, I would have to leave the ministry, number one, because I didn't believe the Bible that God would sustain these people, and that the power of God's healing power is there today. Plus, I come from Africa where we go into villages where there's Ebola, yellow fever, tuberculosis, and every kind of communicable disease. We've laid hands on people and prayed for people where we put our fingers in the ears and yellow pus, they exploded on your hand. And somebody said, what do you do? He just wiped it on the guy's coat. <laughs> it's his pus. He can take it home with him. You know what I mean? 
I mean, the bottom line is, what, what are you going to do? Oh, I can pray for people. We pray for people with leprosy, flesh-eating disease. What are you going to do? Run? You're going to run? Oh, no, don't come near me. Are you out of your mind? Do you either believe the Bible or you don't? So if, if we shut down, I, w- I could never preach again. I would never be able to preach again. I would have to tell the people, I'm sorry, I'm actually a chicken. And I don't believe the Bible. And then I would have to renounce my American citizenship and leave because all the founding fathers paid a price to be here. Can you imagine if 10,000 pastors stood and said, absolutely not? We would not even have had a problem. So, you know, people said, well, you know, I, I mean, I had to take the first shot and, and then I took the second one and then they wanted me the third one. I said, no. Uh, so when, you, you were still going to say no, but you had to wait till two clot shots. Hello. Well, I'm going to lose my job. You're going to lose your life. What are you talking about? Well, I would lose all my investments. You'll lose your soul. So, roll the clips back to back if you can. It's not about building the so-called successful church because as many people in the Gulf states found and they have major mega churches in New Orleans that don't even exist anymore. 20, 30,000 member churches, boom, gone, finished. So no matter what you build, it could be gone. Then what do you have? What if suddenly we were not able to meet at all? There's this new epidemic breaking out of this bird flu. President Bush said he would quarantine quarantine whole cities in America. Can you imagine what would happen if whole cities in America were quarantined? That means you wouldn't be able to move. Now somebody said, is that gonna happen? I don't know, I don't really care to be honest with you because I'll tell you what, we are living in the last days and things are gonna get a lot worse. Things are not gonna get better. For the church and for the kingdom of God, they're gonna get better, but for the world, it's gonna get a lot worse. I'm telling you right now. These are the end times. These are the last days. The Bible says men's hearts will fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. So we've got to realize we've got two kingdoms running here and they're running parallel. One's the kingdom of God, the other's the kingdom of man. The kingdom of man is coming to nothing. The kingdom of man is being shaken. The kingdom of man is going to be turned inside out. The kingdom of God will keep on going. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When God speaks, it always prepares people for what's coming. And America is not ready for what's coming. America, the American people, and the American church is not prepared for what is about to come in this land.
And if people say they hear the voice of God, then they'll be hearing what the Lord says and they'll be a step ahead of the enemy because God will always prepare his people. And you've heard me say this many times before that people are not ready for what's coming. What happened in Katrina is a little taste. Somebody said, are you talking about another hurricane? I'm not talking about anything. I'm just telling you what's coming. People are not ready for. So you can see with great hesitation, I tried to share that. And what's so amazing, because we have a ministry of much joy. And yet we bring a very somber message. But the Lord does that. Just a spoon full of sugar makes the medicine go down. <laughs> and we face times that probably America has never seen right now. We're being invaded. Um, there's probably two million terrorists on our shores right now. Chinese have police stations in all 50 states. And I'm not against the Chinese. We, we traveled to China and to Hong Kong and Beijing, but there's certain elements that are for the destruction of America. So what's being planned right now for even the next five years is not good. And if you're not on fire for God, you will not make what's coming. I'm just going to tell you that. If you lukewarm, love your little seeker-sensitive church with your 60-minute message, one-hour dry cleaning, in by 10, out by 11, three hymns, three hers, take up the offertory, <laughs> preach from the Encyclopedia Britannica of the Reader's Digest, you'll be a corpse in the street. If you don't get on fire and get set ablaze by the power of the Holy Ghost, you will not make it. You will not make the days to come. You mark what I'm telling you right now. You can write it down and mark that I said it on this night in Las Vegas. And I didn't come here to bring a message of doom. I'm, you just hold on to your seats. But you have to understand, we're not playing games. This is very, very serious what is happening. And of course, I didn't believe for a moment that we were going to be able to travel again because I just saw all of the mandates in place and I said, I don't do those things. When I got arrested, I won't wear a mask. I've never had a swab up my nose and I don't, I don't do those things. I'm sorry. <laughs> you violated my rights. I'll violate every single thinking whatever. You can shoot me. You can line me in the parking lot and you can execute me. I will never bow. Ever. Finish. I don't care what other people are doing. I don't follow other people. I follow the Holy Ghost. Now, two weeks before I got arrested, my whole life changed. I was not looking for it. I was not praying for it. I was not asking for it. In actual fact, I was sleeping three hours a night, was on the phone praying for people around the world. It was craziness out there in the nations. People couldn't leave their homes. People were committing suicide. Christians. They would go in Australia. They would go and take the kids to the grandparents' home and drop them and go home and kill each other husband and wife, and they, they, these were church people. And the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear of the things coming upon the earth. That's why you have to have a strong foundation 
on the word, and you better know how to flow in the Holy Ghost so that you're steps ahead of the enemy. Those that have a foundation in the word of God, not on emotional stuff or nonsense, and then know how to follow the Holy Ghost, God sustains them. And the Lord speaks to you, warns you ahead of time. This is going to happen. And you're always prepared. I told Pastor Eric, I said, listen, they're going to lock everything down, and I want to hit 13 cities in the state of Florida. And I said, the first six, we'll use a convoy. And this, the next seven, I'm going to use a helicopter because I found a helicopter out of Orlando that was registered to fly in any state of emergency. I don't want to get stuck in some Democrat area where they wouldn't. No, no, because of curfews and all that kind of stuff. I want to get home. I live in the middle of a forest, which that doesn't help you. They arrested me in my house in the middle of a forest. So it doesn't matter where you live. They'll find you. Are you with me? Somebody said, I'm going to go live in a safe place. There is no safe place. (laughs) The only safe place is the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And so uh, we hit the first six cities, and then we started on the helicopter tour across the state, come back, land. I have a helipad at my house in the middle of the forest. And Monday night, we were over in Cocoa Beach, Merritt Island area. And I arrived there. The pastor looked at me Monday night, the 16th day of the month of March 2020. The pastor looked at me. He said, do you think this is the start of, of the tribulation? I said, absolutely not. I said, we won't be here. Now, there are people who don't believe that Jesus is coming soon, number one. They don't believe in the catching away of the church or what's called the rapture of the church, which just means caught up, enraptured, okay? They think it's some doctrine that was instituted in the late 1800s, but they don't know that all the early church fathers talked about the catching away of the church, and the Bible speaks about the same Jesus leapt on a cloud is coming on a cloud. And uh, he's going to split the eastern sky. So, but if you believe that you will go through the tribulation, then I just want to say to you, enjoy it. <laughs> because I will not be here. I'm on the first flight out. I'm not looking to escape. So it's not about I'm escaping. I'm, I'm, not, I'm a nervous wreck. I need to be rescued. We are occupiers. We are occupiers. And we are the restraining force by the Holy Ghost in the earth today. So the devil can't do what he wants to do while the church is still on the earth. The body of Christ, I said. The blood bought. The redeemed. He can't do what he wants to do. His hands are tied. If you don't believe me, then look back at the last four years of what they failed at. They're failing on every front. Every day it looks like a disaster area for them. Politicians that actually one day, one day used to make sense are blithering idiots. It's a wonder drool doesn't just come down the sides of their mouth. 
And then three of them will stand and agree with each other like it's some major revelation. It looks like some Pentecostal preacher who says something and gets excited about it, shakes his head and holds the mic waiting for people to respond, but there was nothing there. It was just a bunch of rah-rah. <laughs> Wait, let me leave the preachers alone. That night, that Monday night, was a crazy night because for the first time, there were basically people looking at each other feeling that the other one shouldn't be there because it was the night that they suggested that there should only be 50 people in the service. It was a Monday night. There was probably 180. So there was 130 people that felt out of place. And some people were like, really, I'm 49, she's 50, and you 51. <laughs> it it was, felt very uneasy. I've never had that before. Because the disease was so intelligent. <laughs> now listen, you talk about AI. This thing could count. It knew when you were number 50. If you were 51, you were dead. Sorry. You were, but I just got in late. Sorry. You're dead. The disease could even measure the distance you were away from each other, if you were six foot from each other, you were fine, totally fine. If you were five foot three, you did. Dead, sorry. Ah. I know, it's a sad story. The disease could tell the time. If the curfew was nine o'clock at 8.59, you were fine breathing at 9.03. <laughs> Couldn't breathe. What a remarkable disease. The disease even knew that if you wore a face diaper and you went to a restaurant, that you had to just wear it to your table. The moment you sat down, you could take the mask off and the disease would leave you alone because you were eating. The, 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 the virus, uh, uh, they were talking to each other and they were saying, let him eat, let him eat, let him get stronger because then we can kill him softly. And churches that had masks on with scriptures on them. I'm no longer a slave to fear. <laughs> I am a child of God. I'm watching this stuff going, are you out of your minds? Even the masks says on the, this protects you from nothing. The ingredients on the mask, it says, this does not protect you from anything. Some of you were just handed masks. In the packaging, it says, it protects you from absolutely nothing. <laughs> says so. Plus, with a face diaper on, that disease goes in and out each hole 40 times. 
And there were people that wanted to put moss on your cat and your dog. And there were even Australian politicians that wanted people to wear moss on your behind. I'm not making this up. I have every video clip. I know what they were talking about. Because they said if you pass gas, you would be passing COVID-19. Which is not funny. We have, we have many Spanish people in our church. They eat beans. And, and so what would happen? Maybe that's why if you went to some churches in the first few months, they were sitting like this. And then you, you, wouldn't be go, you would not be able to go anywhere with your children because they announced to you when they pass gas. A two-year-old announces... I just tooted. And you shut up, you're gonna they're gonna turn us in. Be quiet. We're gonna see something, say something, state. It's not funny, people. Anybody remember people with bags over them hugging each other? One of the greatest hoax perpetrated on American people. Now, it was a communist takeover of America using a medical emergency. That's basically what took place. A communist takeover of the planet. But they have failed. And the very fact that I'm standing here in Las Vegas, Nevada... On February the 15th, 2024, means they failed. Can you say amen? And they'll fail. They're going to continue to fail. Right now, God is wreaking total havoc in the camp of the wicked. Right now, they're turning on each other like a dog on its own tail. And right now, the angels of God are pulling the wheels off of Pharaoh's chariots. So anyway, I said goodbye to the pastor, and I told him I loved him, and he said he loved me, and he's a senior man in his 70s. By the way, and right now, he has the biggest church in the county. He said, can you believe I've been in ministry 45 years? It took a pandemic to grow my church. Because he never shut down. He just never shut down. And all the other churches shut down, and so everybody goes there now. I got home one o'clock in the morning. I went upstairs, took my Bible, my notebook, put them down, and I fight sleep. I don't know why. I, I never, I, you know, I always want to see what's coming the next day, you know. I just, like, don't want to miss something, you know. I sleep with one eye open. <laughs> just like, I can't imagine being one of Jesus' disciples when he was alive, because I would never have slept. I would have just walked around like I just kept one eye open. Because you never knew what he was going to do next, you know. So you know, you know the Holy Spirit's up to something and you just don't want to miss it. And it's a, it is an exciting time to be alive. It's the greatest hour to be alive, really. Amen. 
And so um, finally I decided, okay, go to bed because, you know, it's like close to two o'clock and I'm up at five. And that's what's going on for months. So I go to my room, I, I get into bed, I have a four-poster bed. My wife is working on the other side. When I married her, she used to go to bed early. Now she goes to bed later than me. I made her a night owl. And um, anyway, I, uh, I get into bed, but instead of just lying down and go to sleep, I sit and prop myself up with pillows, and I got my phone in my hand, which was the, always the case, and many nights the phone would be taken out of my hand and plugged in because I'd fall asleep with the phone in my hand. I'd fall asleep <laughs> listening to check the news. Uh, and which didn't work out well, because I'd get on the phone with him, and he'd be talking, and I'd think it was check the news and fall asleep, but he's actually on the phone with me, you know? <laughs> so then my wife would take over the conversation, and I'd wake up, and she's, she's you know, I've fell asleep. Anyway, so I can't even listen to check the news now, because the moment I put it on, I go to sleep. So... <laughs> I just want to say this publicly. You're the most boring person I've ever listened to in my life. You're so boring, they put me to sleep every night. You could be talking about the most problematic stuff in the planet, and I'm dozed off. It's like a lullaby, you know what I mean? I don't need sleeping tablets. I listen to check the news. He's my friend. Don't take it personally. Everybody's glaring at me now. I've got Vinny looking at me with cross eyes here. <laughs> anyway, so I get into bed. An evangelist friend of mine from Australia who's in his mid-70s now, he, tr- he kept trying to call me, which he, he never calls. He called me four times, and I, and I hate missed calls because it means you're not answering people. Even if I miss a call, I'll text somebody, say, I'll get back to you or whatever. Because I think it's rude when people call you, and then you should maybe not have a phone if you're not going to respond. Which I think some people, they, they have phones, but they don't operate. They, they're Obama phones. <laughs> or Biden phones, whatever. The moment they crossed the Rio Grande, all they had to do was promise to vote and they get a phone because they, they can't answer their text. It's like, seriously, get yourself a phone. So I felt that I better call him back because of the time change between us and Melbourne. And really, Melbourne became one of the most locked down cities outside of Beijing, China. The stuff that was perpetrated on Australia and New Zealand is beyond the pale. Right now, New Zealand... Tens of thousands of people are dropping dead. There's people that should be arrested for war crimes against humanity. And we're not even talking about Dr. Finocchio. <laughs> Somebody messaged me the other day, do you know what Finocchio means? I said, I know what it means. But it also stands for Pinocchio. A lying dog who lied to everybody, who even came out and said, we, we went overboard. Really? 
Yeah, we exaggerated what people needed to do. All of the mandates were, were useless. We told everybody that. So anyway, he was trying to call me, so I felt to call him, but I was in a place of, of, of dozing off, going to sleep. But I thought, okay, just call him anyway. So I called him. He answered the phone. I said, how are you doing? He said, it's not good. It's like the end of days, which I later found out he was referring to the stores are emptying. He said, I've never seen like it. There's no place to buy food. And you're not allowed to go maybe three miles from your house. Or two miles from your house. Sorry, they missed. <laughs> Sorry, just so you know. They missed. You, you missed. It's okay. It's one of the bulbs exploded of the uh, lights or whatever. Everything's okay. Amen. All right. <laughs> you can see I'm really afraid. Certain preachers would be under the front row right now. <laughs> All right, so moving right along. So he said it's like the end of days. And when he said that, there was a flash of light, which I grew up in Pentecost. I was saved at the age of five, baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was eight. And I, there are many people I meet, they've seen visions, and you know, Jonathan had an angel visit him when he was eight years of age. A miraculous story, which I hope he takes 30 seconds to tell you. And uh, the reason I say that is because it really was 30 seconds long, but it, it was his call to the ministry. But from that day, he's never seen another angel. But I meet people, they, they see angels every day, they have coffee with angels, they talk to Jesus. <laughs> They go up to heaven, come down, they play with whatever. You know, nonsense. I think it's just too much drug overdoses and usage. <laughs> and their brains are being fried. I mean, and I'll tell you why. Because these are holy things. Yeah, How in the world do you talk about meeting an angel God and then you just casual flippant about it? Yeah. And the atmosphere of the room doesn't change. What happened that morning at 10 minutes past 2, in the early hours of March the 17th, 2020, was shocking to me. Because, first of all, my mind looked, when I looked at the, at the tornado, it was a tornado fire coming around straight at me. It was about that big. And it was a whirlwind. It was coming straight towards me. My mind said to me, that's not real. You've fallen asleep and you're dreaming. But the moment it crossed my, my feet, my whole body began to shake uncontrollably. My spirit was in total peace. So there were three reactions, because your spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. My spirit was in total peace. My mind was freaking out, which your mind will. Anytime Jesus appeared to anybody or an angel appeared, the first thing they said was, fear not. Somebody said, why? When you see him, you'll understand why. When you see a real angel, you'll understand why. And we're not to worship angels. We worship Jesus. Can you say amen? 
So this, this fire is coming towards me. Everything happened probably 90 seconds, if that could have been shorter. But who, I, I, who's timing? But as that fire was crossing over me, I knew things at what I call the speed of light. I understood things I didn't understand. Whole chapters of the Bible and books were exploding on the inside, Ephesians, Galatians, and things I've been preaching on for four years. But I knew, and I'll just tell you this one thing because I don't have the time tonight to get too much into it other than to tell you that I knew this, that if you're an enemy of the body of Christ and you are hell-bent on destroying the church, it's not going to be well with you. I don't care who you are. You could have $50 billion. If you touch the church, God will deal with you and it will not be good. Your house will be cut off and made a dunghill. They will use your house as a sewage system. Do not touch the body of Christ. If you know what's good for you, I don't care if you're a governor, if you're a mayor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a sheriff, if you're president, if you're a king, leave the body of Christ alone. And there'll be peace for you. Touch the church. And all hell's going to break out loose. Not that the church has to do one thing. That's what I want to tell you. You don't have to do one thing. Just obey God, walk in his plan, walk in his purpose, and it shall be well with you. And God will take you through every circumstance that might come. Can you say amen? So this fire is coming towards me, and I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And um, it was the absolutes of God. It was the... It was the essence of God. It was his love, his joy, his peace, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness. It was overwhelming. It was so overwhelming that as this fire is coming towards me, I'm doing this. I couldn't breathe. It sucked the air out of the room. The air became holy. The fire comes and stops right in front of me. And I look down. I got the phone in my hand. I'm shaking. The fire went into me. It licked like fire like water. It went into me. And I jumped in the bed. And as I jumped in the bed, I began to groan in in tongues. In what's one of the nine gifts of spirits called diverse kind of tongues. It is not your prayer language. It's God speaking. And I knew it was God speaking. And I knew that the interpretation would come. Somebody said, where's it coming from? The same place that the tongue came from. And it rolled out like a river. And then suddenly the words in English came. And this is what the Holy Ghost said. The end is not yet. The end is not yet. I am sifting my people. I'm separating the wheat from the tares, the profane from what's holy, the false from what's real. And I'm purifying my bride because they're not ready for my coming, but I love them so much. I'm going to get them ready for my coming. Now, that's when I became a total mess because I preach on the love of God and believe in the love of God, which is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The love of God knows no bounds. Are you with me? Which the love of God still will send people to hell. Unlike your big sign up in your city, 
that Jesus didn't preach hate, he just washed people's feet. That's not true. He didn't go around preaching hate, but he warned people. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. If you repent, you receive his grace and goodness. If you don't, there's nothing that can, anything can be done for you. So, but what blew me away was his love and the magnitude of his love for his people. So if I could say to you, each one of you personally, and ask you the question tonight, do you really know how much he loves you? If I could take the time tonight, and I don't have the time to go to each person and look you in the eye and mention your name and say, do you know how much he loves you? No, pastor, I believe I, I do. No, 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 you don't understand. Do you know how much he loves you? He loves you so much that if you were the only person on the earth that needed salvation, he would have died for you. And I've had the privilege of going to 92 countries, and I've never found a group of people anywhere on the earth that he didn't love. Every nation that I've been in, he loves every one of them the same. He doesn't love one nation more than another. And that's what overwhelmed me. I thought I was going to die because the love of God was so powerful. It shook me to the core. And there were many months after that. I, I, it didn't matter any time of the day. I just thought I'd burst out crying and just be weeping. People said, what's wrong? I just, he loves people. I saw nations flashing in front of me, but didn't know if I'd ever get to go there again, you know. So the fire went in me and never left. I, I don't see it. People said, you want to see it? No. I don't need to. I'm happy. I don't need to see the fire again. But I sense it. And there are many times I don't know what to do, and then suddenly the fire is there, I feel it, and then the Lord says, do this, do this, do that. But when I looked down to where the fire was, there was the earth. And it looked beautiful. I could see the oceans and the continents. Covering the earth was a gauze curtain, which I knew was the plague, not the disease, but the fear that gripped the souls of men that caused people to lock everything down. They can't go outside the house. Whole families split, can't have Christmas together, can't have Thanksgiving together, can't go anywhere. And I was shaking. And my hand, as though it was the hand of the Lord, went like this and moved that off the earth, and it was clear. And I heard this, and I, the Lord your God, will do this work. In other words, clear the earth. And he said, I don't care who's in the White House or who's in this agency or that, which the agency is called the WHO, the World Health Organization. God said, I don't care. I don't care, which I did care. 
I, I did care. I said, what do you mean you don't care? If I lived up there and you lived down here, I also wouldn't care. But I'm not up there. I'm down here. Somebody said, you talk to the Lord like that. I'm thinking it. You might as well say it. What do you really think? I'm going to pray some religious prayer. Oh, Lord, as we are gathered, Father, grant unto us thy grace that we may, Lord, seek thy face, O God. (laughs) Grant us, Lord. You're going to play with words? Trying to impress God? He already knows what you're thinking. God says, I don't care. I do. I don't. I do. So I had to come to the place where I didn't care. And that took a little while. But I'm happy to report to you today. I don't really care. I care. Don't care. That's why when people come to me and say, Washington, D.C. is doing this and they're doing this in this Congress and this Senate and this and the state, I go, I don't care. Because I don't operate off of what Washington, D.C. is doing. I operate off of what J.C. is doing. Hallelujah. The head of the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I believe what God's about to do in Las Vegas, Nevada, or Las Vegas, Nevada, is going to supersede anything that's ever been done in the city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you better get ready for what's about to happen. Las Vegas, God has not forgotten you. And this will not be our last meeting here. We shall be back. Somebody said, when? At an hour when you least expect us. We shall return. So, I couldn't speak. I said to my friend, we'll call later and hung up. He was shaken. My wife was weeping. I was weeping. She came stood by the bed. I said, did you record that? She said, I couldn't even press a button. And we wept. And that was two weeks before I got arrested. And on the morning of my arrest, the Lord said to me, you're going to have to walk through this door on behalf of the church. And um, I'll just tell you this. I had a total peace. I, I... when they came to get me, I mean, it was a whole military operation on the fence. I have 26 acres. I live in the middle of a forest. And my staff knocked on the door, said, Pastor, they, they are on the fence line. They've come to arrest you. And I had to get on the phone with a guy who was like a hostage negotiator. <laughs> and then I actually negotiated the terms of my, my arrest. I did. And he said, look, we won't be long. We're going to just take you in. We're going to book you. It's going to be two misdemeanors, $500 a piece. Sorry, $250 a piece, like two speeding tickets. 
and you'll go to court in, in May because the courts are backed up right now because of COVID. And we'll just let get you in and out as quickly as possible. So please let us come in. I said, fine. I said, there's a helicopter over my house that's been circling for two hours. If you make that go away, I'll let you in. Um, so he said, I'll make the helicopter go away. And the helicopter went away. And we opened the gates and they came in because they wouldn't come in because my wife has signs on the fence that says, trespass will be shot, survivors will be shot one more time, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she does. And um, <laughs> so they saw those signs, they wouldn't just come in there. But anyway, the cars, there were five outside, five came in, they, you know, it was like... I mean, the night before when the helicopter was circling, they, we said, we called the department. We said, what's going on? They said, we're looking for a very dangerous guy. He's fully armed. It was me. They were looking for me. <laughs> so I switched all the lights off and the helicopter went away. But the morning they came back, I was actually sitting in bed and they were announcing my arrest down in the other county. And uh, when I walked out, because they were coming in, and I said to my wife, you've got to follow me to, to get me out. I've got my bail money. You've got to have bail money. Everybody needs bail money. <laughs> I had my bail. I had my bail money. <laughs> you always carry bail money with you. Because you never know. So... I carried my bail, my bail money. I, I had bail money with me. Always, always have it. And uh, when, I, when I walked outside, the deputy looked at me and he said, are you packing? And he was sweating. And I looked at him and said, really? Seriously? I'm going to walk out here with guns? They would have gunned me down like a mad dog. I said, what, what is this? Showdown at the OK Corral? Is this high noon? Did you think I was going to walk out here this morning going, say hello to my little friend? <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor of a church. What have you been watching? CNN? I said, seriously. So I had to go stand with my hands up against the thing. They patted me down. And he cuffed, they did, they were nice. They cuffed me from the front. So I didn't sit on my hands. They shoved me in the cruiser, which was not a comfortable, it was not a luxury vehicle. As I'm sitting there, I look, there's footprints on the ceiling. I thought, the last guy in here was upside down walking on the ceiling. I thought, this is just great. Phenomenal. Now, I told my wife, hurry up. She said, I'm putting makeup on. Because the last thing you want to have when your husband gets arrested, be caught with no makeup on. Anyway, which she doesn't need makeup, but, you know, she's beautiful without it, but she wanted to have makeup on. And I said, look, they come, they busted me. I'm going down today. This, I'm going into the slammer today. 
I'm going into the pen. <laughs> I'm going to the big house, yeah. So, um, and I was calm, like I am now. It, it's crazy how the Lord sustains you in that moment. So we take off 40 minutes of the detention center. I'm looking out the window going, boy, there's sure another view here. I've never seen anything like it. So everybody said, don't talk to the deputy, get a lawyer. I said, for what? I'm going to talk to him. So we talked for 40 minutes. And he said, he called in all my stats. He said, I'll get you in and out as quickly as possible. As they pulled into the detention center, when I got out, I was sweating because there's no air conditioning in the back. You think they put air conditioning in the back of a cruiser? You're on your own, baby. <laughs> and the guy said, look, you need to um, just cool off before I take your temperature. I said, no, your sweat keeps you at an even temperature. That's why you sweat. You go ahead and shoot me now. I mean, you know, with the gun, with, with the temperature reading, not, not your weapon. And my temperature actually was 97 degrees. So uh, then they made me sign an affidavit that I had not been in Wuhan in the last two weeks. <laughs> so I wrote on the thing, I, Rodney Morgan Howard Brown, being of sound mind, do hereby declare that I have not been in Wuhan, China, where the virus comes from in the last two weeks. And I signed it. And then they took me into Right in, they maybe put that one of FaceTime on for I award for like 30 seconds. You go through the, the big air doors and come through. They took it off. I'm standing there, I'm paying my, my money there, whatever. And I said, listen, I brought, he said, why did you bring $1,000 with you? I said, I want to buy those handcuffs. He said, why? I said, I've never been arrested. I want those handcuffs in a glass case in my office. <laughs> so now everybody's laughing. Another guy walks in, is the COVID guy here? I go, that's me. So everybody's laughing, and they said, we need a mugshot. I said, I can't be laughing in the mugshot. I just hold it. Give me a second. Give me, just give me a moment. I went like this. Give me a moment. And of course, in retrospect, I was the one that should have had makeup that day. But anyway. <laughs> so there you have it. They took me after taking fingerprints, which were more like handprints. The only thing I didn't give was a blood and urine sample, which I thought they were going to ask for that. And they took me, put me in the cell. I walked straight in. I looked. It was clean. Everything looked like a movie set. All the cells were empty. Nobody was there. They made room for the preacher. <laughs> the first preacher in 150 years to get arrested for keeping the church open. I walk in. I looked at the wall, a slatted bench, another bench mounted into the cement, over the wall, um, stainless steel toilet, hand basin, beautiful, clean, camera, I went, I sat down on the bench. There was no way, nothing comfortable, no luxury, you know. I sat on the bench, I stretched out, folded my arms, and I went to sleep. In 30 seconds, I was sleeping. That's how tired I was, so I went to sleep. I thought I was in there for hours. You don't know when you're sleeping, how long you've been. The door opens. Guy comes in and said, I'm sorry, Sanders will have you out soon. 
And then he closed the door. I'm sitting there thinking, this is it? Because under the Patriot Act, they can arrest you and lock you away for months and months and months and even years without even having any defense. That's what's happening in America right now. That's what's already happened. So I thought when I left the house, I would never see my wife again or my kids or my grandkids. And, and I'd already said goodbye to all of them. Every time I said goodbye, I was look at them and say, I love you. Always remember this, I love you. And I say goodbye. I never say goodbye as though I will see you again. I always say goodbye as though I might never see you again because I know what we're dealing with. And I've been doing that for years. So when I say goodbye, I mean it. When I say I love you, I mean it. And if I never see you again, I will have no regrets because when I was with you, I told you everything. I didn't say, oh, I should have said this. Oh, if only I could see them again, I would say something. No, you do that while people are alive. Are you with me? And so I actually, I was in tears because I thought about Paul. I thought about everyone that died in prison because I've studied communism. I've studied the people that were 17 years in a communist prison. I studied the suffering suffering church. People stand and watch their wife executed, their kids raped, executed, and they never bowed. They would never bow, would never denounce Jesus. And so I thought, this is it. Nobody's going to torture me. Where's Bubba? Because you hear about Bubba. <laughs> Bubba going to get you. <laughs> but I realized then it was, it was they wanted to make an example. But boy, did they pick on the wrong guy. <laughs> because... That was the domino that began to fall. Two days later, the state of Florida declared church to be a special whatever. Yeah. And uh, the city dropped all charges and said, you can meet immediately, no social distancing and no masks. Yeah. Because they knew they'd violated the Constitution of America. And uh, that same city that had me arrested now has given me three awards in the last four years for the city. So the whole thing's reversed. And I could spend a lot of time talking to you. Now, I said all that to say this because obviously we've got whole states that are still in problems. Some of you that have moved here have come from California. Your state is in upheaval. What a beautiful state. What a beautiful. It is mind-blowing how beautiful California is. And, but the stuff being perpetrated on that state is beyond anything you can imagine. And there are other states in the Union that are amazing, but yet they've been overrun and taken over. 
And the only hope for America is another great spiritual awakening. That's it. It's not, it's not a, an awakening politically because the government's already been taken over. Republican and Democrat are the same people. They, they, their two heads are the exact same snake. And I've written all the books. If you, if you downloaded the 21 books I gave you, there's four history books there. will explain everything to you. 40 hours of reading. When you go through that, you'll understand. You'll understand what's real, what's fake. You look at a TV broadcast, you go, that's fake. That guy's lying. That's propaganda. That didn't happen. That's a false flag. That never took place. The Bible says in the last days there'd be wars and rumors of wars. Rumors of wars. A rumor is where you think there's a war and there's no war. Rumors of war. Pestilence, famines, earthquakes. That reminds me, when the pastor said, is this, is this the end? I said, no. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, it says there'll be wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquakes, famines. This is the beginning of sorrows. But it goes on to say, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Then the end shall come. That's where we are right now. We in the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world, and then the end will come. And that's why we've come to Las Vegas to light a fire here tonight. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow morning. That's what's going to happen tomorrow night and Saturday morning and Saturday night. So press in and get everything that the Lord has for you. Because how many in this room tonight, do you believe there's a reason why God put you here on the earth? How many know that some have not seen that come to pass just yet? Okay, so it means God's still going to do it exactly as he has said, and it will come to pass exactly as he has said, because he's not a man that he should lie. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Now, I want to say this, and I'll just get it, I'll clear, clear the air on this. I've wanted to come to Vegas for years. And I love to work with churches. Do you know that I could not find a church that would allow me to come and have a meeting? I, we made phone calls. We made phone calls through people. And everyone was nervous about the joy. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you, you know, pushed the issue. I'm going to Vegas for a night. Do you want to come? Because I'm so glad to get back here. And, and, and yeah. Because a lot of churches, even though they say they're full of the Holy Ghost, it's a controlled environment. So the Holy Spirit's allowed to move, but he's, he's really, he is only allowed to do this, but can't do that. And then you have the ones that are totally goofy, where anything goes, but it's not even scriptural. And it's called the Holy Ghost. And they could under the guise of prophetic, but it's actually pathetic. 
There's no anointing. There's a lot of hype. So you've got the good, the bad, and the ugly, which you have in every city. But I believe God's about to do a new thing here in the city. Can you say amen? And I know there's probably some people not happy with me right now, but I don't really care. You know, just like there's the mafia in the real world, there's a Christian mafia too. If if they had their way, my body would be found in Lake Powell. Or what's the other one? Lake Mead, yeah. Lake Mead. (laughs) Who's this? Oh, he was a preacher back in 2024. Stuck in the back of a limo with a bag over his head. And that would just be preachers. They would just be preachers. It's so bad right now, even in the city of Cape Town, in the one township called Kailicha, that there are fake pastors that have moved in and they're shooting the other pastors. They're gunning them down, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, hey, it's, it's no different. The church, if, if people could kill you, and, and they would do it and think that they were doing God a favor. And they named the name of Jesus, you know, but they, they are of their father, the devil. Amen. So how many are glad I shared all that with you? The, uh, I want to just share just two other things here quickly, and then I'm going to preach. <laughs> this is an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> and there's great food yet today. Amen. It's all you can eat. In October of 2019, I was standing in the pulpit at our minister's conference and I spoke prophetically and these words came out of my mouth. I said to everybody, now next October 2020, I'm going to tell you about the next 10 years. When it came out of my mouth, my my brain went, what about the next 10 years? But it came out of my spirit, so I knew it was the Lord speaking. It just flowed like a river. So I walked off the platform. Pastor Eric looked at me and said, what about the next 10 years? I said, I'll tell you next October. I had no clue. (laughs) My wife said, what about the next 10 years? I said, I'll tell you next October. I had no clue, but I knew it was the Lord. So, of course, 2020 happens. The biggest nonsense known to man. So I'm praying now. Of course, the rest happens. Mugshot goes around the world. Certain evangelists use that to capitalize on and fund their ministry. Put food on their table. Which I'm so glad I kept you guys going. Um, <laughs> the... Um, but I started praying, 
towards October because I said, Lord, October is going to come. I have to, I can't get up and tell the people, oh, I made this stuff up. I need to hear from heaven. I need to know exactly what about the next 10 years. Now, somebody said, why are you telling that here tonight? Because it involves every single one of you. Because we, that was 2020. We, 2020 happened. 2021 happened. 2022 happened. 2023 happened. And we in 2024. We still got 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. There's six years left of this prophetic word. So which is going to include every single one of you here. See, you picked the right night to come. So I prayed fervently. I knew this, you know, October is going to come. Thursday night is the night I share the vision. I have to hear from heaven. So October came, the start of the conference, Sunday. Great meetings, place packed. Standing room only, people outside. Monday, nothing. Great meetings, but nothing. Tuesday, nothing. Now Thursday's coming. The deadline is Thursday night. Thursday morning, still nothing. We have lunch. I said to my wife, are you coming back to the bus to pray with me about tonight? She said, no, I'm going to get my hair done. (laughs) Which... I'll say this to the men. Just let your wife do her makeup and get her hair done, and you go kill the bear and kill the lion and take out the giant. <laughs> and she'll just look pretty while you're doing it. Anyway, there's just some advice for men here. And so I go to the bus because we live an hour away, and I didn't want to ride back when we stay on a bus on our property. So I go to the bus, I'm in the bus, and I'm praying, and I said, Lord, four hours before the night service, if you would, wouldn't mind, if you would tell, no, if you wouldn't mind, if you would tell me now about the next 10 years, because I announced it back last October, and the time has come for me to tell the people, please would you give me the information now? I'm sitting there with my pen, and, and there's nothing. So I said, Lord... Please, (laughs) if you would give me the information that I need to tell the people tonight about the next 10 years, I really, really would love it, appreciate it. We're four hours before the night service. There's nothing. Said, Father, it's Rodney here. Do you remember me? Do you remember me? Please. It was nothing. And so I then just went, help! And I didn't know what to do. And I heard God laugh. For the Americans here, I heard him laugh. And he was laughing at me. And he said, oh, you. I go, oh, me? What about me? He said, I already told you. I'm going, when did you tell me? He said, well, tell them there's an election in November. Tell them there's another one four years from then. Tell them there's another one four years from then. Tell them in the next 10 years there are three elections. 
tell them, I don't care who's in the White House, and I don't care who's in this agency or that. Tell them, do only what I tell you to do, and I will be with you. He said, get married, have children, build houses, start companies, travel the world, build churches. Do everything I tell you to do, only what I tell you to do, and I'll be with you as I have been with every other generation for the past 2,000 years. And I said, that's it. That's it. I can't even get notes from that. It's like the vision of the angel appearing to you. I said, write a book on it. He said, it'll be one page. You know, how do you, that's it. And I was so excited, and I realized that what it was. I went out that night. After an hour and a half of worship, the place was erupting. I preached for five hours. The gift of faith dropped on me, and I looked at the clock. It was 20 to 2 in the morning. I, and now I was feeling sorry for the people because I am a pastor, but I'm also an evangelist. So the evangelist side was just enjoying the anointing and everything, but the pastor's side was saying, you can't keep the people here all night. They need to go home and get some sleep. There's another meeting tomorrow morning at 9.30. So now I'm arguing internally with myself. You didn't let the people go now. Listen, the, the power of God's falling in. What's wrong with you? Listen, I'm the pastor here. You better, you better. Listen, you need me more than ever. Basically, nobody can see the internal struggle. And uh, so finally, I said to the people, listen, I apologize. I had no clue that's the real time. I said, you know what we're going to do? We hadn't even taken the offering. We never received the offering that night. I said, let's just quickly pass the buckets, I mean, the, the, the envelopes. Do whatever God tells you to do. We'll receive an offering, and you go home, and we'll be at 9.30 in the morning. So they did that. Within five minutes, everything was wrapped up, and we went to our... Uh, places of rest, and um, they messaged me at four o'clock. They said, Pastor, you don't believe this? Two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars came in at twenty minutes to at, at twenty to two. Who takes an offering at twenty to two in this? So I said, Were there some big checks? They said, No, just everybody across the board gave. So now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't understand this, but okay, the Lord's blessing, that's great, that's wonderful, whatever. The next morning, 300,000 came in. The next night, another 300,000 came in. Now, so you're looking at just under, just over 900,000. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what in the world is happening? I started praying. Now, somebody said, well, you had a problem. I'm trying to understand what's just going on. I said, Lord, what in the world is happening? You know what he said to me? He said, well, you preached my word, you gave them faith, they know that I'm with them, and you spoke the word until 2029, and so they know they can now do, and people are just free to give, and that's what's taking place, and it just began to explode from then in just a supernatural way. Can you say amen? People just knew that the Lord was going to be with them. Didn't matter what the governments were doing. Didn't matter what the UN was doing. Didn't matter what the World Bank was doing. Didn't matter what the World Economic Forum was doing. Didn't matter what the UN was doing. Didn't matter what the, what Washington DC was doing. Didn't matter what Congress or the Senate or the state, whatever. It didn't matter. It only mattered what God wanted. What's God wanting? What's God wanting for every single one of you? That's what you're going to find out tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. God's going to connect everybody here to his eternal purpose. 
it doesn't matter how old you are, God can cause the next three years to be as 30 years. God can accelerate everything in your life to step into the fullness of what he has for the reason why he put you here on the planet in the first place. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody said, I'm retiring. You're not retiring. You're going to refire. Listen, you've got another orbit left on you. We're just going to repair a few tiles on your vessel. Amen. And we're going to restock you and we're going to blast you off again. And you're going to do what God's called you to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said, Pastor, people gave up on me. Uh, there didn't mean anything. Pastor, people have forgotten me. God hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows who you are. He knows where you're from. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So, last year we started hitting nations. We hit 11 African countries last year. We're about to leave in about six weeks or seven weeks. We're about to go to seven countries in Africa again. And we've rented a 50,000-seat stadium in Cape Town. We're going to do three nights in that, in that stadium. But the Lord had given me a word last year. Whatever I do in Africa, I'm going to do here in America. So there's some things that are about... To go to another level. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll just tell you this. This last trip through Africa shook me to the core. Everywhere we went, we started in Nigeria. We went from there to Ethiopia, from there to Kenya. We were guests of the First Lady. From there we went to Malawi. From there we went three places in Southern Africa, then to Swaziland, then on to Namibia. And then we went to Zambia and then Botswana and then into Uganda. And every place we went, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and they said this. They, they said this to me, Pastor, when we saw your mugshot, we knew it was fake. I said, what do you mean? How can you get it's fake from a mugshot? They said, because we knew you. And we knew of your ministry. And we knew if you got arrested, that we must not partake in any of that stuff. And they said, we never took any of the stuff. We never bowed our knee. We never cried. And that was everywhere we went. Everywhere we went. Malawi, Uganda, Kenya. Mind-blowing. I thought, I never knew that a mugshot could speak. And I found a few people wearing some of the T-shirts that were put out. By certain ministry. <laughs> and uh, they weren't even the best quality either. They were just cheap t shirts. Put together. 
in, it really was his own slave workshop. People working around the clock at Revival Today just to get it put on there. Thousand dollars people were sending in to get a t-shirt. So, even your mugshot can speak. Can you say amen? Praise God. I want to go to passage of Scripture here for a few minutes, and we're going to give a call. Then Evangelist Jonathan's going to say a couple of things, and then we'll just see what happens. Amen. Go to Acts chapter 7. And go down to verse 20, Acts 7 and 20. This is so, such an amazing passage of Scripture, and I've preached on it many, many, many times. Because it shows you the grace of God for and on an individual when God calls them even though they mess up. Now, let me ask a question. How many people in this room have never, ever messed up, if you'd raise your hand? <laughs> I saw a couple of, a few attempts to put the hand up. How many are glad that God doesn't change his mind concerning what his plan and purpose is? Verse 20, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair, nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came in his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him. And avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they didn't understand. The next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, you are brethren, why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Will you kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at the saying, was a stranger in the land of Madian, we begat two sons. And when 40 years were expired, now, just let's stop there and think about this. Here you are raised in Pharaoh's house to be the deliverer of God's people and bring them out of bondage. And actual fact, you were to deliver God's people by signs and wonders. But in a moment of anger, you blow it. Now you flee. You're on the backside of a desert, not for a week or two or three, 40 years. And you're looking after sheep. And he must have thought to himself, I had a higher purpose. I should, I should be leading my people out of captivity. But because I tried to do it in the flesh, I'm here. I don't know what his cry was. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, hey, Mo, (laughs) tell me. I know what he's going to probably say. He's going to probably say exactly what I'm saying right now. 
I would be sitting there looking after the sheep, thinking to myself, I had a higher purpose. If God will give me another chance with that. If he'll give me another chance with that. So after 40 years, I love this. There appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. And Moses saw it and he wondered at sight and drew near to behold it. And the voice of the Lord came to him saying, Now, the reason he came to the bush closer because it was not destroyed. The fire consumed it, but it was still there. Total. That, that gets your attention. If something's burning and burning and it, it's still there, it looks fine, how many know you're going to be drawn to it? There are many fires in desert places and wildernesses. You come from Africa, there are many fires. Fires are always going to happen. Fires are necessary on the earth. Did you know that? Con- contrary to the green people. Fires need to, the forests need to burn. There needs to be cleansing that takes place. Land the same way. I won't get into that here today, but it's important people understand that. So Moses wandered into sight, and a voice of the Lord came unto him saying, I am. I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled, and he couldn't even look. The King James says he durst not behold. And then the Lord said to him, put off your shoes from off your feet, but the place where you're standing is holy ground. In other words, you've walked, you've walked your own path. Now you're going to walk my path. Take off your shoes. And then I love this. He said, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I've heard their groanings, and I've come to deliver them. And now come, I'm going to send you. What? You sending me? He said, I've seen, I've seen, and I've heard. I've come down to deliver them, and I'm sending you. I would say to him, God, I already failed in that capacity. If you've seen, you've seen, you've heard, you've come to deliver them. Go ahead, I'll watch you do it. I'm just going to be, able, I'll come along, I'll watch you. But for whatever reason, God, in the, in the sovereign plan and mind of God, God has always used mortal man to be involved. There was a Noah who built an ark. There was an Abraham. There was an Isaac. There was a Jacob. And we can run down through history. God always finds somebody. And I believe that there are somebody sitting here in this room, here tonight in Las Vegas, Nevada. And between now and Saturday night, you're going to be set ablaze. No, you're not going home and your lamp side, in your, your bed, the, the, the lamp burns and a voice speaks out of it. The fire is going to come in your heart and God's going to speak in, in your spirit and you're going to hear the word of the Lord. It's like a firebrand that you'll never, ever erase. So that I believe when 
when we finally get to heaven, if we pull the virtual reality tapes, however they've recorded everything, and we were able to freeze it when Moses stood in front of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. If you could come around the front and look in his eyes, you would see the flames of the bush flickering in his eyes because that's what happens when heaven comes and God touches you. You cannot have a touch from God and be normal. You can't have a touch from God and fit in. I just want to fit in. I don't want to rock any boats. I got news for you. There's not any person that I've met, and this is now my 44th year of ministry. There's not any person that I've met in 44 years of traveling to 92 countries that have been used of God that are not strange. If you want to be normal, do not come around the fire of God. If you, want, if you want to fit into religion and tradition and the plans of man, do not come. You better make a run for the door. You better make a run right now because I promise you, any exposure to the fire of God is going to totally transform your life. And you'll never fit into normal again. Hallelujah. <laughs> not going to happen. You couldn't look in the eyes of Jesus for 30 seconds and be just a, I just want to be a nominal Christian. It ain't happening, my friend. 30 seconds in the eyes of Jesus, your whole life will be changed. The fire of God's all over this room. I said the fire of God's all over this room. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our two brothers back there in security, quickly come over here. The two, come here, both of you, in security, right at the back. Yeah, both of you, come, come, come right over here. Come here. As I was talking, I saw the hand of God come on you. Just step right over here. Just stop right there. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Fire! That's it right now. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Now, in the name of Jesus, put that anointing upon him from this day upon his life. Everything that he does in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. They were standing back at the back. I saw the hand of God come on both of them. Somebody said they're doing a job. That's fine. That's fine. They can do their job. We have angelic hosts here that you know not all. They're not little tiny babies flying around shooting bows and arrows yesterday. On Valentine's Day, huh? Cupid. I'm, I'm standing, I look up, I saw the hand of God come on both of them. Somebody said, what's God going to do with it? It's none of your business. Somebody said, what's happening? We'll find out later.
They're going to be okay. Trust me, I'm a doctor. They're going to be fine. And I just feel the Holy Ghost all over this room. I've seen, I've seen, and I've heard, and I've come down to deliver. God says tonight, I've seen, and I've seen, and I've heard the cry of the people in Las Vegas. And I've come down to deliver them. And I'm going to send you. That's what he's saying here tonight. I'm I'm going to use you. You go, me? Why me? Because I feel like it. And I'm going to use you so that no one can ever take the glory. Because in the natural, they know that you couldn't do any of this stuff. That's why I'm picking you. Because the ones that are eligible... Who feel qualified, I can't use because they're self-reliant and they rely on themselves and their knowledge and their ability. And I want my people to rely totally on me. Yeah. Yeah. He is your life. He's your source. He is your sustenance. He is your way maker. He is everything you need. Everything you desire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. The Lord says, you shall be blessed. I shall increase you. I shall give you that which you need to accomplish the task ahead of you. You shall not fail. I'm with you to provide for you. And I'll go before you to make the crooked path straight. And you shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid by night. You shall not be afraid by day. You shall hear of all the things, the wars, the rumors of wars, pestilence, plagues, earthquakes, famines, and all the other stuff. But you shall accomplish heaven's purpose and plan. And you shall run the race. And on that day, you shall hear these words. Well done. Well done, well done, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, well done. Hallelujah. And of course, we all know what happened. We all know what happened. Moses then went and delivered God's people. And he used signs and wonders. And actual fact, he used real bugs. And he bugged Pharaoh. And he bugged him and bugged him. And he delivered God's people. Amen. Praise God.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just, just pick them both up. Let me talk to them. So big things about to happen. That's why the Lord put you here strategically and placed you here together with your company. Get ready for what's about to happen. Not, nothing by accident. And this is only the beginning. Amen. Many lives are going to be touched and changed. He's heard, he heard your cry. He's heard your cry. Amen, brother. Bless you. Love you. In actual fact, watch the next three months. In your company, watch what God's going to do. Just watch what God's going to do. Hmm. It's big. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> it's big it's big (laughs) it's big somebody said why did you laugh because God's laughing right now the Bible says he who sits in the heavens laughs somebody said God's really angry he actually is not right now he's chilled totally chilled laughing his head off (laughs) amen Somebody said, Jesus is weeping. He's actually not. He's praying for you. <laughs> Jesus wept is a scripture in the Bible. It's two words. But he's not weeping right now. He's praying for you that you make it. So I've got good news for you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Let's do this right now before the evangelist comes and shares a few things, and then I'll wrap it up at the end. Let's just close your eyes, if you would, please. This is very important because tonight we have visitors and people here, some that have come. And I want to give an invitation here tonight. If you fit into any one of these three categories, maybe you walked in here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus. You just saw that Rodney and Jonathan were doing Las Vegas. So you came here to see what we were doing. But tonight, you feel the Spirit of God pulling on your heart. And I want to ask you the question, what would happen if tonight was your last night? Let's say, not I'm, predi- I'm not predicting this, but let's say you went home, put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night, you breathed out your last breath. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all the guilty stain. Tonight, the power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come here one way, but you'll leave another way. Today, God calls you.
He says, come. Jesus is standing with arms right open. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you. He loves you. The only way to receive this is to repent, basically, <laughs> to say, forgive me of my sin. Everyone needs a savior. You can't save yourself. You can't buy this, and you can't earn it. You have to humble yourself to receive it. Maybe you here tonight, and you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord years ago, but I've grown cold. I've allowed the things of the world to come in. I've lost my first love. I've lost that peace, that joy that I once had. There's hidden things that plague me. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. But I want to be free tonight. I want those things gone from me. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's something outward that everyone could see, which makes it even worse because you say, well, what's the use? They all know how bad I am. But God's a God of a second chance and a new beginning, and he says, come. Come. Will you surrender to him today? Maybe you hear tonight, you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord years ago, but these last four years, or maybe even a little bit longer, have been like major storms against my life. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked my world. But today I want to come back. I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I had a pastor of a large church call me. He said, listen, our church has exploded. We have more money now than ever before. But he said, I'm finished. I said, what's wrong? He said, my son died. And I, I can't even pray. He said, I look at the Bible. I can't even preach. I don't even know what to do. If people come around me, they think everything's fine. But he said, I'm, I'm done. So I'm just telling you, this is not just limited to people outside of the ministry. This is, this is across the board. God will restore to you that which the enemy has sought to accomplish in your life. And you come out stronger than before. And then lastly, maybe you hear, you say, Pastor, I do love the Lord. That's not even a question. But I don't have the assurance that I'm a child of God, and I want to have that assurance. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am a child of God. If this is you, remember this. When God looks at people, he doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. And God looks at hearts, and he looks at temperature. The Bible talks about hot, lukewarm, or cold. And he talks about the laodicea in church. You're either hot or cold. He said, uh, don't be lukewarm. Because he said, lukewarm is what I spew out of my mouth. God hates lukewarm believers. This is the time to be radically on fire for God. So tonight, I want to give a call for this. If you fit into any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you right where you are. I would like you to put your hand up right now and say, pray for me quickly. 
Hands are going up all across the room. Quickly slip it up high and say, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Just slip it up high. Today is your day of freedom and liberty. There's hands going up. Don't wait for the next person. If you're watching online right now, just slip your hand up and say, yes, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need him now. Quickly, quickly, just slip it up high. Your heart's pounding away. God's talking to you. You can put your hands down. I want you to look at me now, right across the, the, the meeting. If you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in the prayer we're going to pray right now, put your hand up and say, please include me. Thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? This is why we came to Vegas. Now, I want you to look at me. I want every person that raised your hand, I want you to stand your feet right now. All across the room, every person that raised your hand. Stand, 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 stand. Stand, don't sit there. Stand, stand, stand. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come stand at the altar. We're going to pray a prayer together. Come, come. Tonight is your night of freedom. Just come right in, come right in, come right in, come right in. Thine arms. Lord, I'm coming home. Tonight's your night. Away from God. The path of sin. you look at me if you would please if you mean business with God God means business with you I've had the privilege of praying this prayer that I'm about to pray with you in 92 countries so I can tell you there's, there's people religious people think God rejects us people he doesn't I've been everywhere well 92 nations I've been a whole lot more here in the next 10 years by the way, somebody said, what's going to happen after 29? You have to be in the conference in October of 29. <laughs> then I'll tell you. Every single person here is special to the Lord. 
And you say, but Pastor, you don't know what I've done and where I've been. No, I don't know what you've done and where you've been. It's really none of my business. But I know what Jesus has done and where he's been. And what he's done and where he's been cancels out what you've done and where you've been if you believe tonight. Amen. There's a call of God on many of your lives for full-time ministry. I can see that right now. There's other assignments standing here. There's some people God's going to use mightily in the business realm. There's other individuals God's going to use in the governmental realm. There's people, you know, not everybody's going to be in the fivefold ministry, but everybody can win souls. Everybody can tell people about Jesus, which is very, very important. But I want to pray this prayer with you right now, and you just close your eyes. If you would, raise your right hand to heaven, and then pray this out loud. Believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me, change me, fill me, use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this night on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. I'm born again. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Now just lift both hands and just begin to thank him right now. Just talk to him right now. Just thank him. He wants to hear from you. Just thank him. Just say thank you, Lord. Just thank him. Just thank him right now. Just thank him right now. Just open your mouth and just begin to thank him. Just thank him. Just thank him. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for delivering me from the clutches of the enemy. Thank you that from this night, I'll never be the same. Now, Father, I pray over every single person that you'll seal them now by your blood and by your spirit. That on that day, not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation. I break every bondage, every addiction, every curse of the enemy, every spirit of witchcraft, whatever the enemy is trying to do, I break it 
off of you now, and I set you free by the power of the blood of Jesus. I break every addiction, every bondage. It goes from your life, and you'll never be the same. From this day, you'll never be the same. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look at me, if you would, please. As a servant of the Most High God, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the name of Jesus, by the power of the word of God, and by the awesome power of the Holy Spirit, I tell every single one of you right now, your sins are forgiven you right now. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Every one of you, forgiven. Somebody said, really? Yes, really. This young lady over here, how old are you? Huh? Just step forward over here. What's your name? Listen to me. The Lord said, I've heard you cry. He said, I've seen everything that you've been through. And you even said, God, are you even real? Do you even know where I am? He says, I know exactly where you are. He said, my hand is upon you. And I'll raise you up and use you in a powerful way. From this night, the past is past. And a new day dawns in your life. Pastor Christian. The hand of God's on you. God's healing you right now and touching you free. 16 years old. You'll never be the same from this night. And you'll never be the same. Who does she belong to? She belongs to you. Hand of God's. Huh? God's hands on her. If she wants a scholarship when she's 18, I'll give her one to the university. She can. Huh? You what? Oh, she does. Okay. Well, she's got a scholarship. But she's never going to be the same. I saw the things break off of her again tonight. So, you know, I'm, 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 on a, I'm on a hunt, you know. I, when my daughter died in my arms Christmas Day 21 years ago, I made a vow to God of 100 million souls and a billion dollars into world missions. And I said I put 1,000 young ladies in the ministry. The devil, the devil thinks he's won. Bad career moves. Bad career moves. I'm just telling you right now. So, amen. amen. And that goes for other people. If you want a scholarship, you can come to our university or go to Revival Today's school, whichever one, Pittsburgh or Tampa, that's your choice. But I, you have to pay for this, my scholarship. This scholarship. It's just, it's, hey, it's just the way it is. Amen. <laughs> and you, you have to be under 35, 35 and under. I take people 100 years old, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Just... <laughs> Because I like old people. There's a lot you can do with them. 
No, they, they are. They, they've learned so many things. So we, we've got, I've got people 83 years traveling to nations. They're going on mission trips, preaching. 83 years old, preaching. Anyway, how many of you can feel the Lord's touch you tonight here? Yeah? Special way. Okay, so how many, now let me ask you a question. Who's going to be in the meetings tomorrow and Saturday? Wave your hand, wave your hand. Okay, because I, I don't want you, this is not the whole thing. This is only a part, and I want you to get everything. If it was only one night that we try to get everything done, but it was not one night. We've got tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. Amen? Amen. And how many of you can bring some friends here tomorrow and Saturday? But if you can't, just bring yourself. Be friendly to yourself and bring yourself, okay? <laughs> Praise God. You can go back to your seat. Isn't this awesome? Come on, all heaven rejoices over one sinner that comes to repentance. Come on. Come on, Las Vegas. That's Eric. You look hilarious pushing that thing around. That's so funny. This is an amazing man, let me tell you right now. This amazing man. All heaven rejoices over one sinner. Can you imagine the noise happening in heaven right now? Mm -hmm. Praise God. Let me just, uh, before, as Evangelist John's getting ready to step forward, let me just play the clip of what's going to happen now. This year, some big stuff happening here in April, the 3rd of April, 3rd of May. And then we're going to London, England, the first five days of July. We've rented Wembley Arena, and we're going to hit London with the biggest thing ever to hit London in recent history. Yeah. So, but I won't, I won't play the London. Let's just play the seven countries that we're going to right now, if you can roll the clip. And then Evangelist Jonathan will step up. The Lord said to me, run to the nations. I came to light a fire. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Souls must be your number one goal for your life. From now to Jesus comes. Because when the fire touches you, you're going to win souls, and you're going to bring in the harvest of souls. You have to get the word of the Lord for yourself. It's got a plan on the inside of you. So we're going to see the harvest coming. Stand and fight by the power of the Holy Ghost. And tell the devil, you're not going to have my country. You're not going to have my nation. The whole of 
Africa's going to be shaken by the hand of God. I see Africa ablaze. Give Jesus a great hand clap on this opening night. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm going to play one more video before I do the rest of what I'm going to do before we dismiss. And um, I wanted to do this as to give you an idea as to why we do these meetings, which many of you might already know, but some might not. We did um, Phoenix, Reno, San Diego, and L.A. in uh, half a week. And one of the testimonies that came out of those meetings really shook me. This is why I went into the ministry. You don't know when you see people what kind of problems they're going through. Some people, they know how to put on a nice face. And you watch on TV all the time. People go home and kill themselves, kill their family, then themselves, because they're tormented. People go through very hard things. And the reason Jesus came, you hear people talk about Jesus, that he comes to break us and bring us low. Sin was already doing a very good job at that. Jesus came not to discourage people. He came to lift people up out of the pit and put their feet on the rock to stay. I want to tell you on the opening night, there's nothing the devil's done to anybody that God can't do something about it before you go to church on Sunday morning. How many know that to be true? So this family, their, their son got dehydrated at school running and had a complete physical breakdown. And when he did it, messed his central nervous system up. He had never slept more than a minute without having a seizure through the night. So the parents also didn't sleep. They had to wake up on one-hour shifts. The mother would watch him one hour. Then the father watched one hour. And that was going to never go away. And uh, I didn't know any of that. But I just saw them, the family there and ministered to the family like you saw Pastor Rodney doing to others a few minutes back. And I want to play their testimony for you. This happened uh, well, we're Friday night. We prayed. And Saturday morning, they came with the testimony. And I wanted to encourage your faith. Those of you that are watching online, and we've got plenty of you watching. This is Friday, Thursday night. We have tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. And 7 p.m. Friday night. 10 a.m. Su- Saturday morning. 7 p.m. Saturday night. And the cost is free. I know a lot of Christian events are charging tickets now. VIP is $0, early registration $0, at the door $0. And so we want you to come here and be a part of this and be blessed, no strings attached. Amen. So I want to play this for you and uh, give God the glory for what he's done and show you what God has in store for everybody as you turn your faith loose today. Can you say amen? Go ahead and roll it. Hi, I'm Mikey Gonzalez. This is my mom, Pastor Anita Gonzalez. And today we just want to come and share our testimony of what the Lord did with my youngest brother. Um, Long story short, he had suffered from epilepsy. He accidentally fell down during a race. He was dehydrated and he hurt his, his head. And ever since that day, that was in eighth grade. And from eighth grade to now, it's been about 10 years, he has slowly lost decline in in his nervous central system. He was not able to recollect memory. He was not able to understand speech. He would lose his balance. He had um, 
a lot of, of ner he couldn't control his movements in any way, shape, or form. And the worst part of all, all was that he could not sleep. And so about, I was telling um, the pastor Jonathan, it was that every 10 minutes or so, he would have a seizure or he would twitch. And so even what doctors say, REM sleep is good for you, he could not enjoy because at every time at midnight, three in the morning, at six in the morning, he would have a major attack. And it was constantly an oppression of the devil upon his life because he couldn't get out. For as much as we would try to teach him the word of God and Bible verses or pray with him, he, he, he just, he wasn't there. So he went from being a presidential honor roll student to like a second grade memory. And so today we came expecting and believing the Lord for a miracle in our young brother, believing the Lord that he was going to do something in his life because for 10 years my parents hadn't slept, we haven't slept, we've been standing in faith believing the Lord but the manifestation was longing and so we're like no Lord we're going to give our, a special offering to the Lord believing for his miracle, we joined the 21 days of prayer and fasting, that was one of our prayer points and when we heard Pastor Jonathan was coming here, we're like no we're going to believe the Lord that today the oppression ends and so when Pastor Jonathan came to California, Los Angeles, California, it was literally an answer to prayer. He called each and every one of us out, but specifically the word of the knowledge that the Lord gave him for my younger brother was spot on. Oh, yeah, I, I told my parents, it hit the nail on the coffin. It was so accurate. Sure enough, he said that the Lord was going to restore his speech. The Lord was going to restore movement in his body. Everything that the enemy had stolen from him, this was the year of double. And so when he prayed for him, I was sharing with the brothers and sisters that he was, when Pastor Jonathan went to go lay hands on him, he's standing by himself. Unconsciously, he, he would like fall backwards. But that moment when Pastor was praying, he he was standing by himself. He responded. Pastor Jonathan said, can I pray for you? And he himself said, yes. And so when the Lord touched him, I was amazed because we went home that night rejoicing and praising the Lord. And I want to share this video with you guys. He slept 30 seconds without a single seizure. And then the 30 seconds went to a minute and then two minutes and then five minutes. And the next thing you know, he's sleeping. And you can see this, this spirit of peace upon his life. He's able to sleep. And so we're really excited to see what the Lord's going to do with him, how the Lord is going to be able to restore story completely from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, body, his function, control, his memory, his, his intellect, everything is coming back. And so we just want to give all the praise and the glory and the honor to God because if he could sleep through the night, what is the Lord going to do from now until the rest of the time that the Lord comes? We're going to see that miracle. We're going to see the intelligence come back. We're just going to continue praising God because we know this is the beginning of a great miracle in progress. Give the Lord Jesus a great hand clap in Las Vegas. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you and give you glory for a tremendous opening night. Thank you for being with us in this great casino. A sentence I never thought I'd utter in the entirety of my ministry. Thank you for this great casino that's opened its doors to us, where churches wouldn't. Thank you for doing things that astound the human mind. 
We thank you for being able to be a part of it. Thank you for all the souls that were saved on this opening night. And we thank you in advance for everything you're going to do in these next two days. What a privilege to serve you and know you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody set? You don't have to turn there with me, but I want to read you scripture. I'm already there. If you uh, follow our ministry, when we did the 21-day fast, this was the scripture that came out of it to chart the course for the year. Isaiah 54, verses 1, 2, and 3. Isaiah, the 54th chapter, verse 1. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Verse 2. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Verse 2 once again. Enlarge your house. Everybody say stretch out your tents. In the New Living Translation it says build an addition to your home. Spread out your home and spare no expense. I grew up in church, like a lot of you did, where everybody was on a mission to save God money. You would think one of his names was Jehovah Bargoni, the God who gives good deals. But that isn't one of his names. And God actually in his Bible didn't say, watch, watch how much money you spend. He said, spare no expense. You know, Las Vegas is where we hold our annual board of directors meetings for our ministry because it's hard to be here and make small plans. When you see what people have been able to do with no help from God, you start thinking, what can you do with help and a blessing from God? Can you say amen? amen. So I want it on this opening night. I'm seeing more and more things that are done in church where there's tickets charged, and they actually make fun of offerings, these preachers that talk about money. We don't do that. Yeah, but it's $135 to get in the door and 175 for VIP tickets to shake the preacher's hand. And that's not in the Bible. I don't know how you get special seating for tickets out of the Bible that specifically said not to give people preferential seating based on who has money and who doesn't have money. Why did God institute offerings? And did you ever wonder? You would think the media would attack ministries that charge tickets, but they don't. And they attack heavily any ministry that talks about seed time and harvest. Because tickets don't have faith attached. You go on eventbrite.com, buy your $75 ticket or whatever, and you're done. But the Bible says, let each man give as he's directed by the Spirit. Not reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. The offering, and I take a little time and do this any service I'm asked to because I wish somebody would have done it when I was growing up in church. The totality of offering teaching I received the entire time I grew up in church was the brethren are coming to receive the offering. God bless you as you give. No one ever told what the point is. Why did God institute offerings? Are we trying to help God 
get his thing going on the earth and he needs our help. I heard it presented like that. How many know we can't do what we're supposed to do without your giving? But when you read the Bible, it's not presented that way. In fact, it's presented the exact opposite. God said, I own all the silver and I own all the gold. And he said, if I were hungry, would I ask you for food? God doesn't need anybody's help. Everyone could stop giving and nothing God wants done would stop because God's not limited by mortal man. Can you say amen? amen? So what's the point? The Bible says, stretch forth your tents. How do you do that? The offering is basically an, an opportunity for man to work with God with their faith. Some places you go, you teach on giving, but you don't have to do that in Las Vegas. I'm not saying this to win you over. I, I go here all the time. Probably the best givers in the world are in Las Vegas. Might be the only city where the standard tip is a hundred dollar bill. People, people are not attached to money in this town. They built huge buildings on how unattached to money people are in this town. So you don't have to teach people in Las Vegas about giving, but what I would like to do is tell you a little bit about what God said would happen when you give to Him. He said your gift will come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I will cause men to give in to you liberally. Now, the, the security, private security that's here, they called us and said, we feel to sow from our company. They're the number one private security firm in Las Vegas. And they want to help protect us. What made them feel to do that? I will cause, and then you talk to them. They're believing for expansion in their business. See, everybody wins in an offering because when you give, see, if they teach it to you that you're helping to support this or if, if you're waiting to hear how much this room costs to rent and how much sound is, I don't know. So you're going to be waiting a while. I, that's not what giving's for. Giving is what are you believing God to do for you this year? Right at the outset of this year. And I'll say this before we re receive the offering. Everybody say, stretch out your tents. You know, at the beginning of the year, if you have a thimble full of spirituality, you take a reevaluation of your life and start thinking, what can I do to expand? Say this with me. The desire to expand came from God. Yeah, it's not, it's not selfish. You know, we have a golden doodle dog at, at our house. His name's Chris. He's our dog. When I go home, he won't have done one thing to improve our home. Animals just live. They scratch themselves. They use the bathroom. They go to sleep. That's it. But man has this thing that God gave him for increase and multiplication. That's not a carnal thing. If you got your dream house this year, if you got your dream house tomorrow, about a month would go by and you'd already be making plans in your head about improvements and expansion you could make to that house. Well, if that's not of God, that's a very odd scripture in Isaiah 45, 2, where God said, expand your house, build an addition, spare no expense. Everybody say, spare no expense. Well, that's why we're here. We're not in some rickety church with some volunteer sound system, because God said, don't do that and call it me. Stretch out, do bigger. And don't spare expense. Do it the best you can possibly do it. I had it in my heart to go to Las Vegas. I had it in my heart to go to Phoenix. It, as an evangelist, you wait for a pastor to invite you. 
But I felt the Lord when he gave me that. No. As you heard Pastor Rodney say, the planet on lockdown for three years, then God removing that lockdown, and now you have a window. Do what's in your heart to do. There's no guarantee how much time you have, so stretch out your tents and spare no expense. This meeting is a stretch out your tent, spare no expense meeting. Your life is going to be a stretch out your tent, spare no expense life. Can you say amen? Well, how do you do that? I mean, you could, if you grew up in church like I did, we'd just say, stretch out your tent. Everybody make this motion. But you know what? This motion isn't going to do anything except give you definition in your triceps. What's the action God gave you to do that will actually stretch out your tent? 2017, I was driving to go preach in the morning to a, in a morning service. And I thought I'd flip on something spiritual on my phone uh, just to stir my spirit up while I was driving. So there's an old preacher I like listening to. And uh, he would do a daily broadcast on Twitter. So I thought, you know what? I'll skip. He had already done the broadcast for the day. So it's not like he saw me log on. I skipped to the 28-minute, 30-second mark because I figured he'll be done saying hi to all the people that are logging on. And I just want to hear what he has to say out of the Bible. So I'm driving, and I skipped to 28.30 and hit play. And literally, he said, first words out of his mouth, there's a young evangelist that's watching me right now. Well, back then, I, I didn't have any church. I was only an evangelist. I was young. And I thought, I'm listening. <laughs> he said, you're believing God for dramatic increase this year. Well, I was on a 21-day fast, and that was basically what I was believing for. God, I want you to expand our ministry. You know, everybody wants to believe for expansion without having to do anything or give anything. Just, Lord, bless me and increase me. But the way to increase with God, the way I felt back then was almost like, unfortunately, the way to increase with God was he said, you're believing God to increase your ministry. That I am. He said, if you'll give a $1,000 seed, and I'm not saying this to get you to give a $1,000 seed. I'm telling you what he said on the broadcast. It's not the power of suggestion. If I wanted a thousand dollars, I would just ask you outright for it. I wouldn't suggest. But this is what he said. If you'll sow a thousand dollar seed to help this old preacher take one more tour around America, then God will give you, not, he didn't say a hundredfold. God will give you a hundred times that amount back before the end, before the end of this month. What was it, like January 15th, somewhere around there? Well, I don't need to tell you in Las Vegas. That's a hundred to one odds. And I thought, even if, if this isn't biblical, uh, I like those odds. Worst case scenario, I'm out a thousand dollars. But if this guy's hearing from God, that sounds like it's, it's a good deal for me. So Patrick, that runs our money for our ministries in the front row, I texted him in the car to send a thousand dollars to this ministry right now. And we did. I was in meetings. Those meetings went three weeks. It was a great revival. It packed the building out. And the last night, the building was completely packed with people standing along the walls and in the back. So I thought, this is it. You know, it was January 29th. I thought, this is going to be where the word of the Lord comes true. We got the offering for the three weeks. It was nowhere near $100,000, way less. And I thought, well, whatever. I gave $1,000 to the work of the Lord, no problem. And then January 31st, my wife went to get the mail. And there was a check from an anonymous clearinghouse. That's how rich people like to give sometimes so you don't 
bug them anymore for more money. And it, it, it was, I remember it was a clearinghouse out of Chicago and it was a check to our ministry for a hundred thousand dollars. That was the first time we'd ever received a hundred thousand because that guy was listening to, you know, I, 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 I like listening to people that are actual men of God. And he, he, that was a word from the Lord. If you'll give a thousand to help this old preacher take one more trip around the country, God will give you a hundred times more by the end of the month. And I, that wasn't maybe the first time it clicked, but as my friend said, that put the nail, that hit the nail on the coffin, as she said on the video. That really drove it home for me. That when God speaks to me about a seed, it's not to help. I mean, that guy that I gave the thousand dollars to without saying his name, his ministry's so big, that wouldn't have paid his bills for the next hour. He has a huge ministry. God didn't have him say that so he could get $1,000 from me. He said it so I would release a seed that would actually provoke the thing I was believing for. And so on a night like tonight, we're not in January anymore, but we're not too far past it. February 15th, if you're on the East Coast, just into February 16th. And there's people in this room that are believing for your business, for your ministry, for you personally. To stretch out your tents and expand your house and spare no expense. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. When you put his kingdom first, and that's what giving is. Giving, when it's done properly, is God, I'm putting the expansion of your kingdom first. And when you do, you know, I'd rather head it the other way. I'd rather had $100,000 given to me on January 15th and on January 31st give a thousand. But it's not receive and ye shall give. It's given you shall receive. That's why the faith element comes in. Because it would have been very easy for me to say, no, thank you. You already have plenty of money. What do you want me to give for? I, I'm actually a young evangelist that needs help. But God puts his finger on your faith. And if you can pass that test to let go what's in your hand, God lets go what's in his hand. And you're going to find out God's hand is much bigger than what's in your hand. If you can testify to that tonight in Las Vegas, can you give the Lord a great big hand clap in this beautiful casino? So I'm asking you, and you don't have to answer out loud, what are you believing God to do for you? We called, um, we, feed, we fed 2,000 children a day going into 2024. We were the largest donor to that ministry of, of anybody who supports them for how many kids they feed a day. And then I decided because of the things I'm believing for this year, like this. You know, you being here is actually an answer to my prayer. It's one thing to book a casino ballroom. How do you get people to show up? Who comes to a revival meeting at the Plaza Hotel and Casino where they shot the movie Casino? This is supernatural. And you heard Pastor Rodney say he had wanted to come here for a long time. It was like the door was closed. But you know what we're doing this year? We're stretching out our tent. We're not saying one day it's going to happen. We're going to say we're taking it right now by faith. And there's people in this meeting. That same attitude and mentality is going to get imparted to you. And it is being imparted into you right now. I'm not waiting for one day things to happen. I'm believing that the things God put in my heart, I'm going to take them by, by faith this year. And when you do that, when God speaks to you about a seed, he's doing it with that in mind. He's not trying to knock you down lower. 
He's trying to get you to give him something that he can multiply to make what you couldn't do in 35 years happen in one month. Can you say amen? I can tell you when that 100,000 came in, we had never had close to that come in in a check. If we had $25,000 come in in a check, we'd all go out to lunch and celebrate and have balloons and ice cream cake. But then as you give, you start realizing God's not a joker. When he said, if you give, you'll receive. Your gift will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I'll say one more thing, and then we'll call it a night. The man that you heard speak tonight, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. You know, these offerings are going to two ministries. But one of the ones it's going to, the one I consider, uh, the one I esteem very highly. I'll put it that way. You remember last year in January. That's when my life got changed where my, he by the Holy Ghost had my uncle stand up. And my uncle said, the Spirit of the Lord says, million-dollar offerings, plural, billion-dollar flow. And when I heard that, I thought, well, see, now it was 2023, not 2016 or whatever the other year was. And I had proved that stuff a few times. I thought, all right, Lord, if that's what God's saying, then instead of wondering whether he's going to get a million-dollar offering or who's going to do it, If you'll give it to me, I'll be the one that does it. And it took about five weeks for the money to come in, and we released it immediately. Six weeks later, another million came back to us. Do you know what we got word of today? Everybody say million-dollar offerings. The third one we've ever received came in today at 2 p.m., just like the Bible says. So think of this now. I'm not standing here a year and one month later saying, well, we sowed a million dollars to Pastor Rodney and I know one day in heaven. No. It's insane to think a million would ever come back from anyone once. But now it's continually coming. That's not counting the airplane. That's not counting anything else. That's just the cash coming back. Give when God said give and you will receive. You know what he meant? If you give, you will receive. The same amount doesn't come back. That amount will come back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. I will cause men to give liberally into your bosom. Can you say amen? Amen. We called that ministry up that feeds 2,000 kids every day, or that we help feed, and we upped it to 5,000, over double. And so the lady took it down, took down all our information, then they called the next day and wanted to know, is that a joke? They couldn't believe it when, when it went across the desk. You're already the number one. You're going to put it up that much higher? Oh, yeah, because I'm not doing it to actually, chiefly, I'm not doing it to help those kids. I'm doing it to keep the windows of heaven open over our ministry because the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 27, when you give to the, he who gives to the poor will never lack anything. And we are living in that. Never lacking anything. Say one more thing with me. Say, before any need arises, the provision is there ahead of time. That's what it means when it says, I'll fill your storehouse with grain. From the time we started doing that, I've never played from behind again, ever. And we never will. Because the Bible tells you how money works. And so this service, when I sold, I didn't sow that million dollars anywhere. I didn't sow it to make an ad that says he gets us. I sowed it into a preaching crusade ministry 
that God used to change my life. And let me tell you something. When you first get the revelation on giving, you just want to give everywhere. But then you start paying attention that soil matters. You have the opportunity this week and tonight to give into a proven ministry with his first wife sitting next to him. No scandal. Stood when others bowed. When you give into that type of soil, you're going to notice what I've noticed. There is a return. There's a difference in return between giving to some ministry that says, whether we receive now or in heaven, and one that blesses like God did, like Melchizedek did for Abraham. That when you give, pronounces a blessing over it. What did that guy do that I gave that first thousand to? He didn't say, well, you know, God can bless you. Some people are only blessed in heaven. What did he say? He said, if you'll give, the Lord says, this is going to come back by the end of the month. There's a difference when you give to ministries that don't bash the blessing of God, but speak for the blessing of God. There's a conference that's going on in Oklahoma. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what the dates are. It's an anti-prosperity conference and it costs $135 to get in. I wrote to them and said, I think you believe in prosperity a little bit or there wouldn't be any charge. So there's people that would do that and then scoff at an offering. But I'm not talking to those people tonight. I'm talking to Las Vegas people that know how to give, and you're going to give today in a way that changes your life forever in Jesus' name. If you believe that, do what you're already doing. Give the Lord a great hand clap one more time in this great auditorium. Come on, give a great big hand clap. I want you to close both eyes. Father, I pray you do for people tonight what you did for me all those years ago. Show them what their seed is that gets their heart involved. And may this begin for many people a financial covenant with you where they realize that the path forward is in sowing and reaping. And what we make happen for others, God makes happen for us. Thank you for a multiplied return. I pray you would raise up out of this meeting major Christian businesses that put the kingdom first and crusades and people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and young people being called into the ministry. And as they do that, I pray it would begin a completely different chapter in their life. I thank you, Lord, that from this day forward, before any need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time. Thank you for open doors. People that work in businesses that uh, work on contracts and clients. I pray there would not only never be a shortage of contracts and clients, but too many where they don't know what to do because that's what you said you'd do. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that's so great, the only problem you have is having enough room to take it all in. We thank you for that today. We give you praise for it today. I pray poverty would be broken off of every family, any remnant or whiff of poverty that still remains on any family, that today would be the end of it in Jesus' name. For all these things, we're careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for it's to you and you alone who it's due. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Amen. If you're watching online, they're going to put the ways to give up on the screen, and that'll help you. If you're here and you would like an envelope, Ushers have envelopes, so they may even be in your seat. Some of you have them already. If you're watching on my YouTube channel, there's the ways to give.
If you're making out a check, Revival Ministries International. If you have Pastor Rodney's, there you go. That's the right graphic. If you're watching online or you're here, giving digitally, there's the ways to give. Revival.com. You click give now. Make checks payable to Revival Ministries International. And we thank you. People still have their hands up for envelopes, so we'll give you some time to get those. I want to thank all the workers and the management at Plaza Hotel and Casino for opening the doors of your fine casino for these great meetings. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.